0: And welcome once again to Let's Be Clear podcast. These seem to be coming around very quickly these days. And I'm here today with what we loosely call ourselves as the dream team because we've met before on Let's Be Clear and also in our webinar format. So I'm delighted um, in Black History Month to be introducing Mark Lomas, Pauline Miller and Alex Maria from The Clear Company. Um, Our guests are going to introduce themselves and they're gonna be put under a little bit of pressure today because they've got more knowledge between them, I think, than uh, most of my network combined. Um, We're gonna be talking about action. So this Black History Month, we're obviously keen to support the knowledge, the awareness, the cultural um, depth that we're reaching, and particularly for me, learning every year. Uh, This is fantastic. But we wanna take it that step further. So what does this learning mean then in terms of actions we can take and impact we can have culturally across our organisations and, and into education, which we always touch on during Black History Month as well as, as, as being that gap that remains. So without further ado, I'm Kate Headley, as you know, um, working at the Clear Company. Um, I'm introducing my marvellous guest for this morning. First up is Mark Lomas from Lloyds, if you'd like to introduce yourself, Mark.
1: Sure, my name is Mark Lomas. I'm Head of Culture at Lloyds of London. Uh, my portfolio includes DNI, wellbeing, engagement, and everything we do in terms of markets. Uh, oversight, so quasi-regulation, if you like, around the and
0: Thanks, Mark. So a big remit and therefore a big opportunity for change. So we'll be coming back to that. Um, and Pauline Miller.
2: Hi, Kate. Uh, hello, everyone. I'm Pauline Miller. I'm the Chief Equity Officer for Dentsu International for the EMEA region. And Dentsu International, of course, is an advertising agency.
0: Thanks, Pauline. And our very own Alex Maria.
3: Hi, Kate, and good morning, everyone. So I'm Alex Maria, managing consultant at, uh, at the Clear Company, supporting and collaborating with the organization on their uh, DNI journey and, and passionate about racial uh, equality.
0: Thank you all very much. So I've got a question for you, first of all, um, which is really, for you individually, what is the significance of Black History Month? And um, we'll go back around the table. so we'll start with you, Pauline.
2: Sure. Um, it's it's funny because for me, Black History Month was the sort of time of the year where you just sort of made everything great for one month where you focused very much on history. Um, and it wasn't until much later on, I remember it as a child, it was in schools, it was everywhere. Um, and then later on, you sort of got this sense of maybe this is something that could shift and change the dialogue and the debate. And I think as the years have gone on, it's become even more important for us to be able to say we can't just keep celebrating Black History Month in October and not seeing any change in action. So I think for me it's more the case of how do we now make sure that this is this becomes the catalyst for us to move the dial rather than what I experienced as a child, which is simply let's put lots of black artists, black poets on the walls in October and we take them down in November. So for me, it's much more how do we make this long term sustained and integrated into every practice of our lives as opposed to let's highlight it in one month only I'm happy to highlight as long as it doesn't disappear for the other 11 months.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. I think that's, there's a lot of chat about that at the moment, isn't it, Pauline, in terms of how do we take these months, these events, these celebrations, but then sustain them as, as, as a year-long, in fact, you know, beyond programme. Mark, what are your reflections on that from Pauline's comments?
1: Yeah I I think it's absolutely right. I mean if you take Lloyds in its context Lloyds has had you know a, a history over over 300 over 300 years and and sadly that includes uh, involvement in the transatlantic slave economy. So while it's very important that we dig into that history, we understand it, we research it, we reflect on it, the most important part is repairing some of the legacy. Um, and we're, we're we're starting to do that, and we'll continue to do that for a considerable period of time to come. Things like our one in three hiring ambition uh, in. 2023, we'll be uh, publishing a digital exhibition of of all what we've learned around the archives, uh, charitable funding uh, for organizations who are supporting Black and ethnic minority uh, talent across the the UK, career development programs like our Accelerate program. And so we have a, a sort of a mix of tangible action. So I completely agree with uh, with polling, we we have to understand the history. We need to get better at promoting the history, whether that be at Lloyd's or elsewhere. But the tangible thing is what we're doing today, and 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 is it moving the dial? And that's where our focus will be for the next couple of years.
0: That's great, and and I'm really looking forward to coming and digging a little bit deeper into that because that's what today's podcast is all about. Is you know what what can we do and what and obviously with with the audience that we've got today what you can share with them about what you're doing as, as, as some of the leaders in, in, in forward thinking in this area. And Alex, what would, you, what would your reflections be on, on the discussion so far?
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm fully aligned, I fully agree with what Pauline and, and both Mark uh, mentioned. I actually have a bit of a complex relationship with Black, uh, Black History Month, where I think it's great to have spotlight on, on the spotlight in October on Black History um then it's ensuring there is this sustained momentum on actions over over the following eleven eleven months. So I almost see Black History Month as a way also to check in on the progress made over the last uh last year that has just passed. And and also focusing on so what what's next? What else do we do we need to do to go to go further? And I think that's really that's really important to also shift the a narrative on Black History Month being linked to only to slavery, and actually going much deeper to what happened before slavery. There was plenty of history in in Africa before that. We that we often uh, don't really go through at school, and I'm sure we'll discuss that later today. But also then what it what it means for post slavery and and today in our current soci- society, whether it's in, you know, in in Europe and and other other continents. So what does actually mean? What is a Black history today? And therefore, looking forward, how do we want it to, to look like? And how can organisations and, and all of us have a role to play to support the Black, the black community?
0: Thank you. And thanks again for, for the honesty and transparency and that conflict, if you like, in terms of celebration, but actually not just being a peak. I mm-hmm. love the term check-in actually mm-hmm. i think that's something we could learn from all of our celebratory events and, and and months of celebration throughout the year is that instead of them being a okay let's let, let let's come up with a strap line for this one it's a well let's check in as to what sort of achieved since our previous um uh, activity month and profiling month we've talked about what next um mark mentioned about being tangible um and repairing um and also, um, you know, Pauline about the, the sustainability. So what's happening in the other 11 months is, is that kind of platform. And we will come back to education. So I'm going to throw you straight in, if I may. Mark, you've mentioned a few things that are happening um, at Lloyd's, which we can go into in, in, in more detail. But from Pauline at Dentsu, advertising, you know, but not the first to the DNI um, agenda. So, agenda, but so fantastic with your appointment and I know the infrastructure that you've got there and the commitment at Dentsu so what's happening there with with an organization that, that, that's worldwide and in, in the spotlight quite literally
2: and I think I think you're right it, when you say advertising not the first of the DNI agenda but technically yes very much engaged in the in the diversity agenda because the one thing about advertising is, is that it's our role to be able to connect our clients. With the consumers that they want to reach, and those consumers are worldwide. They have lots of differences, lots of individuality, uh, in, individual aspects to them. And whether and whether if we don't recognise that at the beginning, we're going to fail as in an industry, as an organisation, um, and as and as a client facing, uh, as, as a client business that enables enables other organisations. So it's intrinsic to the work that we do. However we are also aware that representation in our industry is not very strong. So from a gender perspective, as an example, we're great, but from a race perspective, we're not making enough strides. And so we've got some great partnerships with organizations like BRIM, uh, Black Representation in Marketing, really focused on creating the tools and the resources um, across industry to make a change, because this is something we collectively have to move together. But we also, within, within Dentsu, for example, we have our own represent network um, that really focuses on driving the dialogue internally, um, putting programs in place like reverse mentoring programs so that we can continue to drive dialogue in a reciprocal relationship. Uh, between both those in our ethnic minority uh, community and beyond. Um, And we're starting to look at data as well. So what do we do? What what does data look like for us? Are we, first of all, we didn't have any data. So there's been a huge focus on trying to increase the data, particularly in the UK. Um, And then secondly, really focusing on how we make sure that we start to monitor and and understand where where the barriers are. So putting some of that data into our engagement survey For example, and asking our colleagues to share their data when they when they respond to their engagement survey, that will enable us to understand the insights and the employee experience, for example, within uh, within the organization. So we see this both as an internal, there are some areas that we need to learn more about the experiences. External, our role in the wider industry and how we drive the wider industry into the dialogue around race. And of course, there's work that we do with our with our clients and our work with Next and their modest wear range was um, a brilliant success, but really focused on how we bring ethnic minority representation into the creative industry, into the creative advertising spaces um, with the clients that we work with.
0: Great. So, I mean, that's a lot going on there, both internally and externally. Um, and I've had this conversation with you before about because I am the consummate online shopper, don't leave me in for two hours or, you know, the parcels will be arriving the following day. And I have noticed, particularly with sportswear, um, mm-hmm. just the, 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 the subtlety of the representation and the, in, the, the integrated way of it. So I, I do swimming. So just looking at, you know, uh, swimwear for people from all sorts of different cultures and, like you say, modesty wear. It's, it's been really fascinating to just see that is absolutely on every of the big brands' websites now. And, and literally as recently as I, I would say, 12 months ago, that wasn't the case. So we are making progress. But, Mark, if we take that into the Lloyds concept, I know that, that some of that will resonate because data was a challenge for you guys as well. And um, what's happening at Lloyds now then to, 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 to do this big step from talking about it, being responsible for it, feeling accountable, now we're in doing mode. So what, what, what what's that looking like in terms of that difference?
1: I think one of the most important differences um, this year is introducing culture as a uh, specific element of our oversight and regulatory function, and that and culture is one of the four kind of foundation principles. There are 13 principles for doing business at Lloyd's, and that means we are actively reviewing the progress of firms in the market against their uh, diversity data, against their culture survey results. Um, as well as the engagement that we have within throughout the year on, on DNI topics. And because it's a foundation principle, essentially what that means, if you don't meet the expected standard for culture, um, then we can actually limit you growing your business in, in the market. So uh, there's, lots of, there's lots of activities on one side aimed to upskill uh, firms in the market, helping them with data collection, roundtables, workshops, training, which you from Clear Company are very familiar with. But on the other hand, it, it, is, um, it is about demonstrable progress in the market. And we manage that through our oversight uh, through our oversight process. So and that's and that is very important. It's very important to kind of move on from the rhetoric to the actual reality and, and results and then hold people accountable for that. And we've seen lots of progress in in data collection. We've seen lots of progress in in sort of sentiment around inclusion. We're seeing progress in in the the hiring rates for the minority talent in in the market. Um, But we have a ways to go with senior level accountability. So only 29% of uh, senior roles or leaders in the sector uh, have KPIs, which are linked to sort of culture and diversity metrics. Uh, And I think we will see faster progress when we see that number go up considerably. So um, that will be one of our focuses over the next year
0: that's really interesting because in 2015 when we did a review across lloyd's the metric we were talking about then was that i think there was one maybe two diversity professionals Mm -hmm. and we've now got that bit covered so we're actually you know that there's there's impact and action happening and i know pauline you were you did a lot of work in that um but it's interesting now mark that the next push is let's have some accountability Mm -hmm. be interesting to monitor how brave we are because we've been here before with lots of different markets haven't we where there's an impact if you don't get it right but is that impact actually you know delivered behind like um i mean we've got knowledge of that from the public sector and everybody will be aware of that with our quality impact um uh, what, what we've got impact assessments and then we do the equality impact assessments and therefore, but there's no there's no repercussions so what we want to see here is positive action but equally repercussions if we're not if we're not um if we're not uh, joining in i suppose alex i'm really interested here because mark's talked there about um senior level accountability we talked about the hiring the one in three pauline's talked about metrics as well and also there's a really big supply chain delivery model at dentsu in terms of obviously spending clients money and i know one of your many areas of expertise is around supply chain diversity be really interested in your views as to how now in black history month we can look to our supply chain diversity programmes to impact on our overall achievements in, the, in this area.
3: Yes, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, it's an opportunity area for organisations that are looking to have an impact externally on our society. Um, and, and back to the point earlier I made around supporting the black community, you organisation could collaborate with black owned businesses, right? So when you have a large supply chain, being very mindful of how will i manage my spend with whom am i going to contract how do i ensure i have diversity in my supply base which actually will drive benefits of having um managing my risk across my supply chain getting different perspective on on, uh, on products and and service delivery when you're a creative company like dentsu you want this creativity coming in from the different type of businesses actually any businesses wants those different perspectives to drive innovation. So that's where contracting with diverse businesses is another way to impact positively uh, our society. Because often those diverse businesses are also local businesses. They might be your customers. So you want to work with the community, give back to the community you, you serve. Um, so that's one way organization can do that. But, but as for everything, it starts by looking inwards before you can impact externally actually look inward about your your own processes uh, inclusive or your procurement process inclusive do you have a supplier diversity strategy and what are your objectives and back to the point around data is how would you measure success you have those right metrics uh, to hold yourself accountable to ensure you have an impact uh, uh, on our, on our society and also deliver benefits to your organization. So always coming back to data measurements, but and also looking inward before then focusing externally how you can uh, engage with those diverse businesses and and black owned uh, businesses.
0: It's interesting. I've learned so much from you, Alex, in the time you've been at the Clear Company because my focus was always as people know. On inclusive hiring and, and to marks one in three, and we would always there look at the processes, look at the capabilities of people managing those processes and practices, um, and then look at how do we attract and how and how do we move people through the process. And procurement, it's the same, isn't it? So you can have a strategy that says, okay, we're going to advertise and say we welcome, um, you know, uh, contracts with, um, please apply to supply to us. Uh, but actually, if our processes, practices, and awareness, um, and create, and if we've got inherent bias. Mm-hmm. around black owned businesses then we're not going to achieve those goals so i think there's some really good really good lessons there pauline i know that's really high on the agenda at Dentsu. have you got anything that you would add to that
2: i think the thing i would say is that it's important to make it relevant into the work that people do so for example um at Dentsu one of the things we'll do is work with media owners um, so those are organizations that obviously supply media uh, whether that's print or online or or otherwise and so for us we've got to talk to those that use the media owners to ensure that when they're creating their plans of uh, for a client and they're creating campaigns that they recognize that a black owned media owner is just as important and this is what it brings and how to integrate that into their plan as well as how they might do that with a mainstream newspaper or a mainstream um, uh, other sort of outlet, radio or otherwise. So I think it's important that we we bring the topics and the dialogues in, because if they've not done it before, how do we expect them to understand the benefits and when to use different types of, um, of, of uh, media in different situations? So we don't want to be tick box. We don't just want to throw a black person in and, and and say hey we've got diversity we want to make sure that we're partnering with those media owners in the same way that we would with the times or or whoever else or any other sort of a large magazine or media outlet so i think it's really important that we make the connection into the the day-to-day part of the business, that's very much one. And then the other side, if I'm thinking about how we procure services into us as an organisation, it's really important in that way that we partner with them on an ongoing basis. So it isn't just about when we put it into the contract process, into the RFP, and they present us with one slide on diversity and then that gets them through. But how do we ensure that if they're not achieving, if they're not delivering what we need, that we're A, monitoring them on a regular basis, that we're B, partnering with them and helping to make sure that they can move in the direction that we want them to move in. So I think there's a real element of partnership becomes, you know, is is the silent P in procurement, if you like, and supplier relationships. But you need to have that partnership in anything that you do, or else it's very easy to unpick and unwind. So that, integration that sustainability doesn't stay so that's that's all i'd add there is make it real and build a partnership brilliant and, and um i mean i clearly totally agree and
0: anything tick box is it's just not going to achieve any change in fact it reverses it we all know that we're all pretty experienced now aren't we in this field and and anybody that does that kind of tokenistic knee-jerk reaction it it it, it, it rebounds badly so yeah definitely integrity and you know authentic change basically mark you've done a lot of work in supply chain um in your past life at hs2 how does that um, map onto the role at lloyd's where you've got such an opportunity to influence across a market structure
1: yeah it's interesting there there are some correlations um but quite a few quite a few differences as as well and i think um <laughs> Uh, i think if i'm being honest the market as a as a whole is really as at its starting point with um all things inclusive procurement and, and supplier diversity so i think that is an area we will see develop over the next uh over the next few uh, over the next few years most likely corporation itself is sort of further down that uh, further down that road and we should be looking to uh, report on the amount of money we've spent with diverse owned businesses uh, towards the end of the towards the end of the year. Um, I think one of the things that. Uh really distinguishes organizations when you when you when you see an organization that has a rounded model and and that and by that I mean everything from early careers, talent programs, uh, career development programs, looking to improve representation overall at leadership and the kind of the supply chain side of things. That is a that's a really rounded uh, approach, I think, because not not all organisations have the the numbers or the turnover to move the dial um, really quickly uh, around representation in their organisations. But it's often easier to move the dial in terms of those businesses that you work with in your supply chain. Uh, And I think even though we're in two thousand and twenty-two, it is still fairly rare to see an organisation that has all those facets in in place. And and I hope by the time we're a couple of years down the road, um, we're talking about many, many organisations that have that kind of whole system uh, approach to improving the participation of, of Black and ethnic minority communities.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's interesting, Mark, because we're talking here about, you know, utilising that supply chain and leveraging the power that has to help us impact in our culture, because obviously, to Pauline's point, partnerships with organizations who culturally are different to us brings extra elements to our own culture and if it's a true partnership the two will blend across the lines which is always a positive a positive step forward as well. In terms of employment though Mark because I know that's been one of the, the the focal points for you in terms of that internal representation getting those metrics right and particularly that leadership accountability mm-hmm. what what can you share with us from a Lloyd's perspective? That you feel would be useful for people who are looking to make their leaders accountable and and support their leaders in being accountable. Because for some, it, it's a stretch, it's new, it's something that they're not knowledgeable about. What would our what would our lessons be there to our audience?
1: Yeah, really interesting question. Um, I hear a, I hear a lot of uh, we don't have the data, and until we have the data, we we, we can't do anything. And I don't think that's strictly true. Um, you know, if you have the data, then absolutely you've got to be holding leadership to account. You know, they should be they should be taking the opportunities when they come, those moments that that matter when they're doing talent management succession planning, when uh, they're recruiting into key positions, really thinking about the model of, of that recruitment, really thinking about the inclusiveness of their job descriptions and, and processes, etc. But um But you don't just need that. I'm a real, I'm a real fan of, uh, both having the data. And so having really hard metrics and and targets, but also measuring participation. And I think that is, that is really very, very important. Um, you know, as a leader, you need to show up to some of these things. Number one, you'll learn yourself. You'll increase your, your network. You'll open up your experiences, but never underestimate. Um, how powerful it is that leaders participate themselves and encourage participation. So I'm a big fan in having both kind of data-driven targets, but also things in in leaders' KPIs like you know every single member of your directorate, your function will attend a minimum of of three uh, DNI-related events, workshops, etc. over the over the year. Um, participation is is absolutely key. And I think what I found from my time in various organizations is if you can get that kind of everybody's participating, um, it's baked into your values, it's part of conversations, it's part of how you do your performance management, um, then actually when you come around to ask people for the data, they know exactly why you're asking and exactly why it's important. And those data completion rates go up. So um, I think there are a number of ways to hold leaders accountable. You don't just have to have the data, but my, uh, my preferred approach, KPIs around the data and KPIs around participation.
0: I love that. I just think an organisation of any size or scale, any budget, any level of maturity around diversity and inclusion and around black history um, and um, participation, they can do that they can do that because there's resources in both of your organisations, obviously from the Clear Company and from, from all of our partners, that are free. You can you don't have to pay. I mean exactly. for larger organisations, by all means go to the big conferences, put yourselves under the spotlight, learn. Because if you have to if you a chief executive of an organization talking about how important um race equality is to your organisation, you have to be pretty well breathed to stand up there and be counted. On a platform so that's quite a good way of, of, of pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and learning if you're authentic about it i love that i think participation is a really good theme I'm really excited about that is that something pauline that um it's relevant at denser is that something you could see people engaging with
2: yeah i think so i think it's important that we report out and so if that includes the participation levels of how we're engaging uh, individuals in the organization both of our leaders, um, uh, you know, we've been looking at some larger programs that we can run uh, with our own colleagues, so uh, and working with some of our own external partners, Google and Meta, for example, ensuring that we have programs that we can deliver internally that enable people to be counted, that enables leaders to be part of the dialogue, and that we can measure those, uh, measure their participation as well. So I think participation is very important, but it's uh, for me, it's very much how we report out. And how we report out to our people, because often they don't know all of what's happening. You know, if in an organization, you know, for EMEA, we're 15, nearly 15,000 people. And so our people want to know that what we said we did, they want to know that what they are telling us is being heard and that we're taking action. And so it's really important that we maintain. Uh, transparency and we hold ourselves accountable it's one of our first pillars on how we deliver our, our DEI framework is transparency and accountability and since arriving at Dentsu one of the things I've been driving is very much how we put more data more insights more content in front of people and how we make sure it's real that they understand it and so this year will be the first year that we'll have our first global Dentsu DEI annual report. Last year we had one in the Americas. This year we'll include um, colleagues from across the globe. And it really is about showcasing that we are doing what we say we will do. We are committed to ensuring that we are an anti-racist organisation. We are committed to ensuring that we drive representation um, and opportunity uh, in the organisation. And we need to do that around race. And we need to make sure that the data is clear around race.
0: I, I I couldn't agree with you more. It, it, making people accountable There's nothing like having to prepare a report or present on a stand to make you actually do what you said you were going to do. Um, mm-hmm. Even if it's getting to the end, you know, at the end of the year and, and you're, you're going back over all your actions and thinking, I've not done this, I've not done that. It is just putting that pressure on accountability and then it becomes business as usual. Just want to pick up on one point before we close, which is that both um, Mark and Pauline at the beginning referred to um, employee networks to support the change and to embed difference and, and, and make a difference and Alex I know that's very close to your heart because it's something that you've spearheaded in a previous life um, and I wondered if you've got some insights for our audience in, in, into the importance of of having a network and it, and it working in the right way to, to, to make actions um, you know words into actions as it were
3: yeah. Yes, thanks, and I think there are a few points also I would like to reflect on, on what Pauline and, and Mark said, linked to employee networks. I think employee networks are essential, as from my point of view, as part of the DNI and i ecosystem in, a, in an organization. So they have a key role to play to bring the communities together to offer this uh, safe environment for people to share their live experience, to have this sense of community within, you know, within the organisation. But also to support the overall DNI agenda. Um, and and this is where it's also important to ensure senior leaders will show up to the events uh, arranged by your networks. So I I really, lo- really love the point from both Mark and, and Pauline on, on partici- participation and measuring measuring that from senior leaders. I've seen the impact of senior leaders turning up to events. As a leader, the shadow you cast is uh, extremely powerful. So if you turn up, not only you will learn, but you also uh, impact others, inspire others to, to join, and it can help create momentum. So I think that's, that's really key. Um, and then measuring data. I, I remember networks as well, always have a keen interest on, on actions. They're not just there for the communities. Also, wants to see progress, so they have a role to play in supporting the organisation in driving change. As long as as change has been clearly defined on on what are the focus areas, what are the roles of um, what is the role of the networks, what are uh, what is the role of the DNI leads, the exec sponsors. So it's a whole ecosystem working together with clearly defined roles and, and responsibilities. The networks. Going back to your original uh, question. Are really there for me to create this sense of community, as well as support the overall DNI agenda in uh, in the organisation.
0: Thanks, Alex. That's that's a really good wrap up. Doing my job for me brilliantly. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are we are coming to the end of our session, um, which as, well, as always has gone like a flash. Any points of insight from um, everybody before we finish? So, Mark, starting with you, what what would you like to leave as your point of insight for our audience?
1: Um, I think what I'd like to, to leave people with is um, don't over-promise and, and under-deliver. Don't set yourself unrealistic targets. Um, don't make a huge fanfare during Black History Month if you know you can't deliver what you're promising after. Um, I think reality is far better than, than rhetoric. Um, and... People see through rhetoric that won't be delivered fairly quickly, and, and you can disengage them uh, over time with that. So, uh, stick to things that you you know you can deliver, um, and uh, and that will stand you in in very good stead. It will increase your employee engagement and really create a sense of momentum.
0: Good point, Mark. Well, thank you. Well said,
2: Pauline. Um, I think I'd build on Mark's uh, Mark's comments there, and I, I think what I'd say is, on the first stage, is individuals have the ability to make a change. So, as an individual, you can take a step. You can continue to learn. Um, you know, just because just because you are part of a community doesn't mean you know it all. There is a real great opportunity for you to understand what the inequalities are, to understand what the challenges are, etc. So individuals, you can take take that opportunity to develop yourself. You can also take the opportunity to drive your organisation forward, to ask them the questions, to hold them to account. And organisations, you have the opportunity to be able to find the partnership that works for you and then hold yourselves account. Don't sign every charter that's out there. Don't sign up for every organisation, but find an organisation that you can build a meaningful partnership and relationship. So whether that's Black British Network or Black Tech Fest or Colouring Tech, you can do all of those. And all you need to do is to be able to make sure that you hold yourself to account and that you deliver on the commitments that you make.
0: Thanks, Pauline. That's absolutely so so we're we're basically saying, you know, don't overpromise, make sure that you can deliver, keep it r- realistic and reasonable and authentic. Well,
2: society has a role that is able to drive change and we individuals are part of that societal change. So let's make that happen in the communities that we live, in the organisations that we work for and in the actions that we take as individuals. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. And and Alex, your final reflections, please.
3: And focus on, on meaningful actions. And, and sometimes those actions does not, do not have to be, uh, long and compli- complicated, complicated, uh, processes or, or projects. They could be those small actions where you give a space, space for your black employees to have an open conversation about their lived experience in the organization and your senior leaders participating in those conversations and, and listening. And then on the back of that, there might be actions that would be, would be taken and ensuring that those actions, actions are followed through. Those are small steps that can actually make a difference. Um, and then going further is then ensuring that you go back to data and measuring where you are and determining where, where you want to go. And back to Mark's point, being realistic, right, there are, there are steps to get there. At least being clear on, on where we are, where we want to be and, uh, and creating a clear action plans where then you can hold people accountable so it might be around representation at a senior level, uh, specifically for black employees and, and other uh, people of color. Uh, it might be on how you're going to measure data and, and live experience of your employees. Again, understanding that black employees' experience uh, often uh, um, might be more negatively impacted. How do you ensure you capture the experience? Specifically, black women may have this double burden of racism and, and sexism ensuring you capture, you know, the experience, and again, measure, you know, measure progress. So with data and those small actions that are meaningful. I can make I make a change. That's what I will encourage organisations to uh, to focus on.
0: Brilliant. Thank you, and thank you to all of our um, participants today. I'm sure the audience will have got um, so much learning from it. I know that I have. You know, participation, the role of the individual, um, making it realistic. Uh, making it actionable, reporting back on it, holding yourself accountable. I mean, where do we stop with the um, information we've been shared with? I'm sure there's something for absolutely everybody. And I feel really excited, actually, about the fact that we've taken the dialogue from the celebration whilst maintaining the celebration into using that celebration to bring in participation, education, learning and individual accountability. And from that, we will create change um and i'm excited to report back so this time next year let's have the conversation again and see where we've gone thank you to mark thank you to alex thank you to pauline thank you as always to the team at clear who do all the hard work um and obviously this podcast will be available on the clear company social media channels um and i hope you enjoy it thanks very much